This man had dirt under his fingernails and farm fields in his eyes. He started his company building tractors and farm implements for the people of Italy. But after a quick confrontation with Mr. Enzo Ferrari himself, he decided to show the sports car world that a tractor manufacturer could build more than just tractors. Yes, we're talking about Fernuccio Lamborghini and how he took his tractor producing corporation and financed one of the greatest supercar manufacturers in the world, Lamborghini Automobili. So today from Autolux, we're taking a look at how he went from tractors to supercars. Autolux.net Autopod, streaming day or night, coming right at you, right here, right now. Welcome back to the Autolux Podcast. I am your host, as always, the doctor to the automotive industry, Mr. Everett J. himself. Coming to you from our podcast page over on Autolux.net. Big or small, we have them all. Corporate websites from around the world on our corporate links page. From aftermarket to coach bill to standard corporations to the small sports car manufacturers that you may have never heard of. When countries you didn't even think car companies were from we got them all and we like to give out a special welcome to our sponsor from magic mind check it out on our website we do have a coupon code to save you some money on their products so today we're taking a look at how one man who made tractors made the switch to supercars no we're not talking about porsche we're talking about an amazing man whose both of his companies still exist and still produce the products they were famous for we're talking about mr ferruccio lamborghini and his trattori lamborghini tractor manufacturer or lamborghini automobili supercar manufacturer lamborghini back in 1948 ferruccio lamborghini founded his tractor manufacturing business lamborghini trattori he started by using discarded war materials to make his tractors yeah after world war ii kind of essential business everybody needs tractors and after the fallout of world war ii and considering the fact that italy was on the wrong end of the deal on world war ii yes they were working against the allies one of the three nations that did but after the war they needed to get their economy back up and running and with that easiest way to get your economy running is to get food to the people lamborghini saw a market for tractors and like we said utilizing discarded war materials he started building his own tractors and farm implements to help his countrymen get their country back from the brink you know flush with cash from his success of building these tractors he decided to treat himself to a ferrari but as he soon found out and his ferrari had a faulty clutch he had originally had a ferrari 250 gt he went to enzo ferrari he told him that if he switched out the clutch for one from his tractors which are built for higher end use he would have less likely have issues with it and he wouldn't overheat so often enzo and ferrari himself a man who built formula one racing cars that won were amazing and people lined up to get his cars got into a dispute for Ferruccio as he said to him what does a tractor manufacturer know about supercars well that infuriated Ferruccio and with that being flush with cash from his tractors and air conditioners that he manufactured through Trattori Lamborghini he decided to one-up Ferrari he decided to get into the supercar he figured if a man who is so precise and builds these amazing machines tons of people want and everybody is 
dying to get. If that man doesn't want to listen to him about how his product has major issues and he needs to update it, then maybe, just maybe, I should go into business for myself and go after him. By 1963, he did it. His 350 TGV eventually evolved into the production version of the 350 GT in 1964 and further the 400 GT 2 plus 2 in 66. Lamborghini had his first sports car. He didn't just have a sports car. He had the sports car. Now, it wasn't as amazing as some of the Ferrari products existing during the 60s. But Lamborghini wasn't done. No, no, no. Hell no. In utilizing the cash brought to him by, by the 350 GT and the 400 GT Grand Touring car, he utilized the money to build, in secret, a new car. A new breed of sports car. To take out Ferrari once and for all. Now, being that Ferrari is in Formula 1 with massive backing and in existence nearly 20 years before him this would be a hard feat to accomplish that all changed in 1966 when the world came face to face with the original supercar the lamborghini mira 1966 lamborghini mira mid-engine rear-wheel drive v12 supercar an outline today that's still considered one of the best designs in history even for myself it rates in my top 10 of world's best designs and it was designed in 1966 the only thing that even comes close to it ever from ferrari would be the f40 but even that is a rather simple design the mira was here and it became a part of movie culture but no the rumors are true if you've seen the original italian job that wasn't a mira that was pushed over the cliff when he runs into the italian mob at the very beginning of the movie they crush his mira and push it over a cliff if you go back and talk to the original director of that movie he will tell you they didn't crush a mira even himself stated i would never crush a car that beautiful and that gracious what did they crush a ferrari yes the italian job movie actually crushed a Ferrari instead of the Mira, cementing the Mira as one of the most desirable cars of the 60s, pushing Ferrari out of their top spot as the number one supercar manufacturer, but only by want, not by sales. Now, in 1973, Lamborghini Trattori joined the AME group, where it is today, moving away from it, the supercar division, divesting itself. Today, Lamborghini Trattori is still in existence. If you take a look back in 2013, they released one of the most beautiful beautiful looking tractors in the world yes i said it tractors so great that i even added it to my famous everett's car list it's one of the most beautiful and enticing tractors around yet yeah, a tractor for god's sakes but it makes my list Hi, it's Everett. I'm sorry for any interruption, but today I'd like to bring our sponsor out. MagicMind.co MagicMind themselves make a great product. I have actually tried this product from them. Their product is a magical elixir, or what you would call the world's first productivity drink. Developed for entrepreneurs, writers, website creators, podcast hosts, podcast creators, automotive designers, and even race car drivers. Yes, people within the automotive industry, like myself or anyone else in other industries out there, this drink can help you with things like brain fog and an unreliable focus. Are you one of those people that sit down during the day in front of your computer and could focus for like an hour, and then all of a sudden your brain starts to wander off from the project at hand? You still got hours of work ahead of you, but your mind starts wandering. It just wants to go and take a break. But when you do that, you know you won't be able to come back and stay focused on the exact same spot you were at before. Well, Magic Mind is a product that will help you keep going.
going throughout the day. Their magical elixir will do that for you. And it is an all natural magical elixir. This amazing productivity drink I have taken in place of my coffee just to see 100% that it will work for me. And it did. It kept my focus throughout the day. I was more in tune and focused on what I was doing that day. All thanks to the Magic Mind Elixir. You could sip it. You could drink it. You could take it as a shot any way you want to take it. As long as you drink all the contents of it, you will get the rewards from Magic Mind's Elixir. And being our sponsor, Magic Mind has given you, our listener, a special one-time code on the magicmind.co slash auto website. That discount on your first order. And again, on your first order, if you are not satisfied, they do have a money-back guarantee. No questions asked if it doesn't meet your specifications. And you can find Find links to it on the autolux.net website or through magicmind.co. So remember, this is a magical elixir that will help you keep focused and help increase your productivity during the day like it did for myself. The doctor to the auto industry, Mr. Everett J. That name again is Magic Mind. Back to you, Everett. By the late 60s, they needed to follow it up. And working with Design House Bertone, they developed what would soon be their next car. And remember, the Mira didn't live forever. And as it faded into the backdrop, Lamborghini needed a replacement product. He needed a replacement supercar, a halo car. And with that came the Countach, or prototype. 112. Its wedge-shaped design would change the world once again. But unfortunately, in 1973, due to the oil crisis, sales plunged. It was sold off in 74, they went bankrupt in 78. But eventually, Lamborghini came back in 84. Jumping through hands, being passed around like a pack of cigarettes, Lamborghini was losing itself. Similar to some of the other sports car manufacturers at the time, Lamborghini was on thin ice. Similar to their crosstown rivals from De Tommaso moving even a short time into General Motors' stable before it finally wound up in the hands of Chrysler. But that didn't stop them from pushing through and building their wedge-shaped Countach. And in 74, the Countach changed the face of supercars. Yes, a product so synonymous with the 80s, the Countach. One of the two main cars from the 1980s that everybody knows of. When you see it, you think 80s. A Countach and a Testarossa. Funny how it's a Lamborghini Ferrari, but that's how it goes. The Countach was actually designed, built, and sold in the 70s. But if you've seen the original 1970s Countach, you would just think it's a prototype. So in fact, it didn't come with ground effects kits. They didn't come with oversized rear spoilers. And it didn't even come with a front bumper. The thing was essentially just a wedge shape, similar to that of the prototype 112. And like we say that, it came out in 74, but it wasn't much of a hit until the 1980s, when ground effects and movies, like the Cannonball Run, put this thing on the map. Similar to what happened with DeLorean in Back to the Future. Cannibal Run pushed the Countach into the front face of everyone. They helped make the Countach a household name. But unfortunately, by 1978, Lamborghini was at the brink of bankruptcy. And it actually took them six years to get through it. And by 1984, their bankruptcy was over. They reinvented themselves and their new owners set to expand the product line. Releasing both the Jalpa, a lower grade and more of an entry line product for Lamborghini and the LM002 truck. Now the LM002 changed the face of trucks from around the world. 
built. This was a truck originally built for a contract with the Italian military. Now Lamborghini lost out to Fiat, but they developed this truck for the military and they needed to get it out. How do you do that? You got a product sitting, finished, done. The most powerful truck in the world. What do you do with it? Well, similar to that of what Lexus did with the LFA. They built a V10 engine for Formula One. Then Formula One stated to them, we're not gonna use V10s, we're going down to V8s. So what did Lexus do with that engine? They dropped it into the LFA supercar to make their money back. Similar to what Lamborghini did with the LM002 truck. They had a super truck built for racing through sand dunes and protecting the world. Well, the Middle East was ripe with oil and people there were just oozing to spend it. Well, say hello to the fastest truck in the world from Lamborghini. The LM002 goes on sale to the market around the world. This product helped in the creation of great products to follow years later. The Ford Lightning, Ram SRT10, and even Hummer took inspiration from the Lamborghini LM002 off-road truck. And until the 90s, it was the fastest accelerating and fastest truck in the world. But it wasn't a main product of Lamborghini. Now, during the 80s, well, late 70s, Lamborghini worked with BMW to help build the M1. Yeah, BMW wanted to build a supercar. And at the last minute, BMW switched and finished up with Bayer. Bayer built the car, not Lamborghini. They lost the contract. Which kind of sucked because they needed the money. Essentially why their bankruptcy took so long. And in 1987, three years after their bankruptcy ended, Lamborghini was scooped up by Chrysler and helping each other out Chrysler looked at building a few products of its own hell they thought of building a Lamborghini sedan to help profitize Lamborghini because you gotta remember this time the LM002 was small small numbers the Jalpa was on its way out and the Countach was its only main product by this time 1987 this product was 13 years old and in need of replacement well they needed a new product and utilizing the V10 that they had built Dodge worked with Lamborghini to use their V10 in what would become their halo car, the Viper. And in turn, Chrysler returned the favor by building the Diablo. The first Lamborghini I ever saw in real life was a 93 red Lamborghini Diablo. It's an amazing car, but you pretty much sit right at the front. Due to its V12 and rear engine design, it was super powerful, but very hard to handle. A design format though, that is used to even this day. By 1994, they were sold off the V-Power from Chrysler. Chrysler was rebranding itself, needed to divest itself away from product ranges, which weren't substantially profitable. So they sold it off to V-Power. They held on to them for four years. And by 1998, Volkswagen Auto Group took them over and gave Audi supervision over the Lamborghini mark. Since then, they have revitalized their mark adding new products like the Marcielago to replace the Diablo. Soon after which they finally released their second product. First time in their history they had two coinciding product ranges. Yes, Lamborghini has had in its past two product ranges. Only at the very beginning of their existence have they ever had two products that coexisted together with production schedules together. The Jalpa was built in limited numbers. The Countach was their bread and butter. And at this time the Marcielago and Gallardo were their cars. Marcielago eventually moved into the Aventador that we have today. Still hanging on to that wedge design from the Countach. And the Gerardo moved up into the Huracan. But Volkswagen wanted to make some more money off of them. So, utilizing the platform that underpinned the Gerardo, they built the Audi R8. But the R8 didn't come with the V10 that Lamborghini had. They used the V8. Today, you can get an R8 with a V10 in it. But I always say,
hey, if you're going to get an R8 with a V10, you might as well just get a Lamborghini. The exact same product, just with a different badge. Now, with their help, and into the early 2000s, Lamborghini realized, after showcasing new concepts from around the world, including a concept for a retro-inspired Mira, Lamborghini decided not to rekindle old products. They don't like to bring back what's old to make it new again. They like to just keep moving forward. And that concept faded into the past, as they will never bring back the Mira, because they don't want to revisit the Mira. They loved it, but they want to leave it that exclusive. That didn't stop them from coach building limited run vehicles like the Sesto Elemento, the Revention, hell, even the brand new Lamborghini Scion with its supercapacitors for a hybrid system. It's opened up a whole new market for them, a new money stream to help Lamborghini build upon itself. But unfortunately, like the competition from Ferrari and Porsche, they're arriving late to the hypercar market. Now, you gotta remember, with auto looks, hypercar to us means hybrid supercar, not ultra fast supercar. That's what we call an ultra car. The hypercar market, Lamborghini has been slow to jump into. If you look back at a few of the concepts, they had the Hyperon, which was a 2 plus 2 Grand Touring car, something that Lamborghini needed. Gotta remember, Ferrari has a massive product range. Lamborghini doesn't. They essentially have two products. The Aventador and the Huracan. They don't have a Grand Touring car. They don't have a hypercar. The Cyan with the supercapacitors, extra horsepower rating of 34 horsepower, and free energy from the brakes has given us something to look forward to in the future from Lamborghini. The Urus is also a product we look forward to. We do understand that the Urus is an Audi Q8 and Bentley Bentanga in disguise. But unlike its brethren, the Urus is a product all of its own. It is essentially a super sport utility vehicle. Riding in its own class, it adds a supercar performance and appeal to the utilitarian vehicle product ranges of the world. Something the LM002 did to the truck market back in the 80s. Now, Lamborghini still doesn't want to expand upon their product range. They've made countless concepts. They had the Estoc sedan from years ago, but they didn't want to water down their brand like Porsche did. They had the hybrid Grand Touring, but they didn't want to bring down their image as well like Ferrari did with the FF. The Urus was something that kind of was needed. They needed to make a statement to Volkswagen to say, we can make you money. But they're also the one company around the world that's holding on to naturally aspirated engines. With the likes of Ferrari, Porsche, McLaren, and even Lotus looking at hybrid and battery power, getting away from natural aspiration, Lamborghini may be the last naturally aspirated product in the world, giving them a leg up on one of the last remaining internal combustion engine supercar markets that people still desire. If you're a hard supercar fan like myself you'll know that you don't want electronically assisted anything you just want raw balls deep power and Lamborghini knows that and we respect them for that but with the cyan and its supercapacitors could that and fuel cell technology be the future of Lamborghini or will Volkswagen eventually divest itself away from the mark like they're trying to do with Bugatti now only time will tell the future of this original tractor manufacturer is kind of up in the air right now with our move within the next decade away from internal combustion engines and into hybrid battery or fuel cell we don't know where Lamborghini is going to land but we do know one thing we're going to ride it out as long as we can with this ultimate horsepower game so from all of us at autolux we thank lamborghini for holding on to that one last shred of balls deep power let the competition get it they may get a leg up on you but you'll get more street cred being an original so if you like this podcast go over to facebook twitter and linkedin share like or comment about it and send it over to some of your friends via podbeam spotify itunes google play amazon and even on youtube 
YouTube. And if you're looking for pictures available and background information about this podcast, take a check over at www.autolux.net on our podcast link or jump on over to our Corporate Links website. Big or small, we have them all, car companies from around the globe. This is Everett from Autolux saying strap yourself in for this one naturally aspirated hell of a ride from Lamborghini.